Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to preach a word to you today that uh, hopefully will help you look ahead and not behind. Now, when you think about your past, are you thankful for some things? I am. You think about your past, there's some awesome things that happened. There's also some not-so-awesome things that have happened. And we could spend a long time today talking about both. That's our testimony. Your testimony is not just the great things that's happened to you. The testimony, your testimony is also the awful things that have happened to you, and God has brought you through. Amen? And so your testimony is all of that. But I want to tell you that the best is yet to come. Amen? The best is yet to come. In fact, uh, th my message is not about heaven, but if your eyes are on Jesus, we're just pilgrims passing through. I guarantee you the best is yet to come. Hallelujah. I want to narrow that down a little bit, and I want to talk about this life. Because I believe the best is yet to come in this life, in this time. Hallelujah. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, in the first few verses, Paul is saying this. He's saying that, that the law had no power to bring life. The law only had power to expose sin. It did not have power to bring about transformation. But then, uh, but, but what we see is that when the law was uh, given to Moses, it came in power. It came in great glory. And so while your finger is still in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, go, uh, go with me back to the book of Exodus chapter 34. And I want to first set this up because I want us to see the law came in glory. Okay? Exodus chapter 34 and verse 29 says this. Now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain. Now, the, the, the first, I, I'm picturing Charleston Heston here, Charlton Heston, and, uh, you know, the, the first time he was up on the mountain with God, and God, God uh, wrote in the tablets himself with his own finger the Ten Commandments, but as Moses was coming down, read about it in chapter 32, the, the Israelites rebelled, and Moses took those stone tablets had them ground to powder, mixed it in the water, and the Israelites had to drink it. And so he didn't have the tablets anymore. So guess what Moses had to do? He had to go back up the mountain. And this time God did not write in the stone. Moses chiseled the Ten Commandments as God gave them to him again. Moses chiseled them into the tablets. But he had spent time with God. So this is him coming down the mountain. Moses did not know that the skin 
of his face shone while he talked with God. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. This is awesome. This is awesome. And they were afraid to come near him. And Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandments all the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. He put a veil on his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And he would come out and speak to the children of Israel whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. Now, this is the kind of glory that accompanied the law. It's awesome. It's, it's almost, we, we almost have trouble believing it because we're used to seeing things like this on sci-fi movies, okay? But this really happened. Moses' face and skin, the Bible says, was glowing because he was radiating the glory of God. It's awesome. It's awesome. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 7, we'll pick it up. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, that great church in the nation of Greece. And, and he says this, but if the ministry of death, and that's what the law did, is it brought about death. It exposed people's guilt, but the blood of uh, bulls and goats can never forgive sin totally and transform an individual. And so he's comparing it to the new covenant. Jesus shed his own blood on the cross. And he made the old covenant better. Hallelujah. He made the old covenant better. In fact, transformed it. In fact, he didn't just convert the old covenant. He, he made a brand new covenant with you and I. This is why we're saving communion to the end of our service this morning. Uh, because we're going to celebrate the covenant that Jesus made. Hallelujah. The ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious. Hallelujah. We just read about that. So that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit, this is the new covenant, not be more glorious? Hallelujah. And so that which the New Testament church experiences in the life of Jesus, in the shed blood, in the resurrection, outshines anything that Moses brought to the nation of Israel. 
It shines it out, shines it all. Oh, hallelujah. It is full of glory. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Verse 9, the ministry of condemnation had glory. The ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Hallelujah. You see, the law exposed, it, 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 it did do this. It exposed how righteous God was. You read the Old Testament, you're going to see a righteous God. But in the new covenant, you not only see a righteous God, but you see that righteousness transferred to you and I. Hallelujah. Transferred to people that are fallen. And so the New Testament ministry, the glory of the new covenant that is able to transform and change a life and completely set people free carries so much more glory than anything that they had in the Old Testament. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Woo! Jesus. For even what was made glorious, verse 10, had no glory in this respect. Because of the glory that excels. And what, what does that mean? That's kind of a confusing sentence. It means this. When you compare the two, the one looks like nothing. It has no glory. When you compare it to the new covenant... Wow. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is more glorious. Huh. Now I want you to pay attention. I'm not I'm not pausing through and teaching through every word. What is glory? Glory is glory is the the residue of God on, on a person, on a situation. Because he is glorious. So I'm not taking the time to, to teach all the, the way through this, but I want you to hear the portions in this word, because I'm, I'm going somewhere this morning. Um, I want you to hear the portions that uh, should be the result. Okay, so we, we uh, get all excited. The new, the new covenant is, glory, is more glorious, and it definitely is. But what does that mean? And so Paul says, well, therefore, since we have this kind of hope, we use great boldness of speech. So knowing the strength of the new covenant that we have with God should make you bold in how you talk about it. You never have to apologize for being a believer. You never have to feel like the lesser one in the room because you are a believer. 
The world will try to make you feel like that because you don't laugh at their jokes and because you, you just don't really fit in. You're the oddball. You know, you, you, you live differently because of the conviction of God upon your life. You have some sustenance. You have some substance to you. And so you don't always fit in with the world. And what they try to do is make you feel like the lesser one in the room. But you are not the lesser one in the room. Not because you're better but because Jesus has forgiven you and dwells inside of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so you have great boldness. And so then he says, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily, uh, could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. Their minds were blinded. And then he compares that to the Jews uh, listening to the gospel. To this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is only taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. This is one reason why we need to, to pray, not only for Israel, but for lost people, because the lost, the lost world that does not understand the gospel has a veil that blinds their eyes from understanding it. There are some that understand it and reject it anyway. That is not most of the lost. Most people that are lost are lost because they don't understand the, the power of the gospel. They don't understand it. There's a veil over their heart. The average person has to have the gospel presented to them something like 13 times before it finally clicks and registers. This is why we need to be doing evangelism all the time. Well, I witnessed to that person and they didn't get saved. Well, that's okay. You planted a seed in them. Somebody else is going to come along. Plant a seed in them. And little by little, that veil is going to be lifted. It's going to be lifted until they see. Hallelujah. And that's probably your testimony. Some of you may have come to Christ the first time you heard the gospel. Not me. Some of you might have come to Christ the first time that it was presented to you. Not me. Most of us, it takes a little while. The veil has to be pulled back. It's taken away. And when it's taken away, verse 17, freedom comes. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Oh, this is good. This is good. Now, uh, what, what does this mean? No, the concept of it is good. Yeah, the New Testament is better than the Old. But this gets practical in your life. The kind of glory that is on the New Covenant that God made with you and that you entered into with him when you received Christ, the kind of glory that is on that covenant is an increasing glory. Hallelujah. And it increases because your understanding of it grows and grows and grows and grows. How, how does that happen? But we all, verse 18, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Hallelujah. Just as by the Spirit of our God. Oh, praise the Lord. This morning, uh, I had a thought. I shared that about, 
about Bill rising up here. The other one I was thinking about this morning while we were singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord, our, is the Lord God Almighty. I was thinking about Sister Lois Sablotny. And she, at 101 years old, uh, was seated. She sat right back there in the corner of this sanctuary. She did not appreciate the contemporary music, but she would walk in here in her high heels. It was amazing. Uh, I had the picture of her preaching up here on, on this platform at 100 years old. It was awesome. And I remember her uh, coming up to my son, Jeremy, uh, saying, Jeremy, I love watching you worship. Now, she did not like drums, but she could see the worship that he was offering to the Lord, that Jeremy was offering to the Lord, and she would enter into it. And when the presence of God would manifest in the room like this morning. She, she would lift up her hands, hallelujah, and she would enter in just the same because it wasn't about her and what she preferred, but it was about the holiness of God entering into the room and she would begin to worship with all of her heart, hallelujah. And her life at 101, she died at 102 years old, went from glory to glory. And I remember sitting in her living room. I normally will not go to anybody's house. Uh, uh, I, I will not go to a woman's house by myself except Sister Sablotny. She was 101, and I thought, this is okay. And every time I met with her before I would leave, I would get down on my knees. And she would put her hands on my head. And she would pray. And the glory of God would fill that room. She never quit hungering and thirsting after God. Till the very end. The last six months of her life, because of some medication, she had some dementia, could not come. And, and I would go to her, I would go to her apartment. I would go to her apartment in by, over there by the hospital. And it would take her about 20 minutes to remember who I was. But then as soon as she did, a smile would break out on her face and we would begin to worship and pray together. It was amazing. We go from glory to glory until we take that final step into eternity. How does this happen? Because every time we're in the presence of the Lord, we behold Him. And I want to tell you that if worship is stagnant 
for you. It is because you need a new revelation of who God is. Because as we're beholding him, he reveals himself to us in ways that we have never seen before. This is why worship is so, so, so important. It is not just about singing the latest and greatest song. It is not about entertaining people with how well we play. It is about coming into the very throne room of heaven. And when we're in that place, we behold him. And as we're beholding him, he reveals himself. And guess what happens in that place? Just like it did to Moses, the presence of God rubs off on you. You may or may not even see it. Moses came down the mountain. He did not know what was happening. But his countenance shifted. His life had transformed, and people began to see And this is why I can declare emphatically that for your life and for my life, the best is yet to come. The only way that ceases to be true is if you quit beholding him. Is if you give up. If if you stop worshiping. If you stop pressing into the presence of God. Isn't that what this says? We behold the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed into his image from glory to glory. I want to tell you some things about growth. This morning, in fact, the the last two, three weeks, I've been meditating a lot on the life of Peter. I preached on him a little bit last week, and and uh, we looked at one of his stories in, uh, in, in uh, breakfast tables, uh, not th- this morning, but last Sunday, as he got out of the boat in Matthew chapter 14. And I want to tell you that from glory to glory sounds wonderful, but sometimes it's painful. Because when you see Jesus like he is, The light that's radiating off of him, do you know what it does? It exposes every dark place in you. And growth, spiritual growth, is not always easy. And I'm thinking about Peter. Because Peter, in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus looked at him as he was sinking and said, Oh, you of little faith. And then Peter has a good moment. You're the, you're the Christ. You're the living Son of God, in Matthew 16. And Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. This has been revealed to you by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that, that you're not Simon. You're Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And Peter goes, oh, yeah. And then in a few verses later, Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. (laughs) Well, how did Peter feel then? And then in, in three of the Gospels, we have recorded Peter 
coming up to a little girl and cussing and swearing and saying, I don't know the man. And I want to tell you that and then he, he lifted, one of the gospels says he lifted up his eyes and Jesus was looking at him as the rooster crowed. He's beholding Jesus and being exposed. You think that all this stuff that Jesus didn't know, that all this stuff was already in his heart? He had to be transformed. This stuff had to come out. I'm not encouraging sin. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that becoming more like Christ and going from glory to glory is not always easy. And I've, and I've been just meditating on this. It's the transformation of Peter. Even, even in, in John chapter 21, after the resurrection, and Jesus comes and has John there and says, if you love me, feed my lambs three different times. And the third time, Peter said that it, he was grieved in his heart because Jesus asked him a third time. And he didn't understand. And there he is beholding Jesus. And still, there's more that is transforming in Peter's life. And what Peter doesn't understand, because Peter thinks his trajectory is like this, going Further and further downhill, I keep failing, I keep messing up. <laughs> but the trajectory of Peter's life in reality, as God was watching it, was not going like this. It was going like this, hallelujah. It was moving from glory to glory, hallelujah. Failure, yeah. Uh, things being exposed, yeah. But he was moving from glory to glory, from strength to strength. That's what was happening in Peter's life. God, G Jesus was preparing Peter for the infilling of the Holy Spirit that would happen in Acts chapter 2. Oh, and I want to go. I want to, I, I was going to have us look up all these scriptures and read all these scriptures. But I, I want to, uh, I want us to go to Acts chapter 5 right now. Acts chapter 5. And I, oh, this is so good. I, I, and you know this verse, but this is the encouraging place because you feel like you're in Matthew chapter 14 or Matthew chapter 16 or John chapter 21. You feel like that's where you are as a believer. But I'm telling you, Acts chapter 5 is coming. And verse 14. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter <laughs> passing by might fall on some of them. Do you know, 
if all that stuff hadn't happened in Peter's life, do you know what this moment would have done to Peter? It would have ruined him. He wouldn't have known how to walk in humility. He wouldn't have been able to carry this level of glory. He would have puffed himself up in pride. He would have made T-shirts out of this moment. He would have immortalized this day forever. He would not have been able to carry it or handle it. He would have received it as his own and not given the glory to God. Part of the church crying out like Acts chapter 4 for signs and wonders, part of the reason that that has not been manifested to its full is because the leadership in the churches, God is bringing from strength to strength. This is why you need to pray for your pastor. Part of the reason the glory of God is not restored totally all at once is because God knows if he would pour it out like that, they would not be able to sustain it. They would not be able to handle it. But what you are witnessing in the life of this church, in the expansion of this church, is God bringing us to a new level of glory, a new place. And he's testing us. And he's watching. And he's seeing What will happen? Will we be careful to give him all the glory? Can he trust? Can he trust his people with more? Can he trust you with more? Can he release more into your life? Another example, Peter Peter is one example. Here's another example, Psalm chapter 1. He is like a tree planted by streams of living water. And when you first plant a tree, the, the roots, the roots they, they don't go down very far, and they, it, that tree is really reliant upon all the other trees to block the wind and to, to uh, keep the elements from, from harming that tree as it grows up. But pretty soon, that tree takes root. What is it doing? It is going from glory to glory. Its roots are going down deep to the water. Its leaves are rising up high to the sun. Some of you concerning growth are frustrated because you feel stagnated. I want to tell you that sometimes growth is not multiplication. Sometimes it's very slow.
We used to have on the kitchen door frame pen markings. And every so often we would line up our kids and we would draw the line and we would see. Yeah, last year you grew two inches. Did they feel themselves growing? Now, there might be moments where they did. They had pains in their shins. And take them to the doctor, and they said, well, they're just growing too fast. But you know, most of the time, you do not feel yourself growing. You know what you do? You just keep eating. You know what? Your, your kids will grow. There's one thing that you got to do. You have to keep feeding them. <laughs> and sometimes in moments of growth, they're eating so much food that they, they're just like, whoa. You, you have that in the spirit realm. There's times where you cannot get enough of the word of God, and you just keep feeding on it and feeding on it and feeding on it and feeding on it, and you cannot get enough of worship. You cannot get enough of the presence of God. You cannot get enough of the people of God. But what do you do? You keep feeding. You keep feeding, and you feed, and, and, and you know what? Th those are moments of radical, extreme growth in your life. It feels like everywhere you turn, you're getting new revelation of God. You, it feels like everywhere you are, you're, you're experiencing his presence. You're wondering why this is so hard for everybody else because this is so easy for me. I just want other people to just step into to what I've got. I'm so hungry. I'm just feeding on the word of God. And you know what, God, you know what's happening? You are growing. Praise God. But even now, most of us in this room are not growing anymore. See a few. But you keep eating. You keep beholding. You keep feeding your soul. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to go from glory to glory. Why? That's God's design. The best is yet to come. Because you're going to be closer to God. You're going to be more like Jesus. Not so that you can puff your... Puff yourself up and say, look, look how, how much like Jesus I look. Because the moment you, that you do that, the moment Jesus looks at you and says, son, you got a long way to go. He's calling you. He's calling you to a higher place in him. Don't compare yourself with other people. It always leads to things that are not good. Now, when you see Jesus in other people and you say, I want to be like that, 
that's okay. That's not condemnation. Follow Paul as he follows Christ, right? That's okay. You're recognizing Jesus in somebody. I want to be like that. But most of the time, you look at somebody else and you, you say, oh, they're way ahead of me. And, and the, the negative side of that is, I'll never get where they're going. Or you look at people that are just starting out and they're way behind you and they've still got some sin in their life that you used to have in your life and you, and you begin to say, oh, I'm doing good. I'm glad I'm not where they are. And you become a Pharisee. And neither one is good. So don't compare yourself with other people. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith, Hebrews chapter 12. And run this race that's marked out for you. From glory to glory, from strength to strength. Praise God.